0: Hallelujah. I'm so excited about our last session. I'm kind of sad that it's our last session, but I'll tell you, I'm very, very excited because we're going to go out with a bang. You know, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to to listen to these uh, CDs, to these messages, because they are meat. And I tell you, God is looking for people that really are after meat. Now, these will minister to you if you're a young Christian. But they, they will minister to you if you are an older Christian and you're just wanting the meat of God's Word. I had someone tell me, they said, you know, some people are called to teach the ABCs of faith. I think you're called to teach the XYZs of faith. And, uh, well, we do do the ABCs of faith, but we enter into meat, praise God. And the Spirit, Soul, and Body series, I believe, is one of the most uh, will be one of the most influential uh, series that you've ever uh, entered into because of the awesomeness of what's intrinsic to it. And we shared so many things, praise God, but we're just going to, oh man, we're going to go out with fire today. You say, well, I'll tell you, the first five were fire. What's going to happen today It's going to be a volcano, (laughs) perhaps, hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you this, uh, the key to walking in Jesus is understanding who we are in Christ. And we hear that expression a lot, but it cannot be, uh, it really can't be overestimated. And just in regards to the power of its reality when you enter into knowing who you are in Christ it changes everything and you're never going to be who you are until you know who you are and uh, that's just the way it is you know Galatians 4 it says that as long as the son of the king does not understand that he's the son of the king he he differs nothing he just he's no different than a slave and that that's of course a reality in the natural but it's surely a reality in the spirit. What I want to do at this time, I want to enter into two parts regarding uh, this session. The first part I want you to see that the, you can enter in the things that are just awesome because of the reality of your being spirit. And then we're going to enter into a paradigm of power uh, that can be easily integrated uh, into your everyday life, but it's it just such a powerful uh, paradigm. So let, let's start off, and I, I want you to go with me to 1 John uh, 3 8 and 9. We've shared on these verses prior, but I want to reiterate them again in a little bit of a different context. And I, I believe that, oh man, we're going to enter into fireworks. Glory to Jesus. 1 John 3 8 and 9. The Bible says, He that commits sin is of the devil. That means he who habitually practices sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. He might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now in the Amplified, it says, No one born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him. His principle of life, the divine sperm, remains permanently within him and he cannot practice sinning because he is born begotten of God. Now, I want you to understand this. Victory is yours because you are spirit. I want to say that again. Victory is yours because you are spirit. For example, in understanding the word of God, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural man is unable to understand the word of God because it is foolishness to him, because it is spiritually appraised or spiritually discerned. Now, what that means is this. It is impossible. I mean, it's impossible, you know, to uh, take an apple and, and, and to, you know, have it taste like eggs. I mean, it's just not going to happen. An apple is not going to taste like eggs. It's an apple you are not going to be able to take your flesh, your natural man, and cause it to understand the Word of God. The only way you can understand the Word of God, which is spirit, according to John six sixty three, is through having a spirit. Glory to God. likened unto God, who is spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, having revelation administered to you. Now, that sounds so simple. But you see, it's really the key, the foundation of the kingdom. You see, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven has already arrived. You know, so many people are looking for, you know, this and looking for that to make it happen. I'm here to tell you something. It's already here. Jesus cannot do anything other than what he has already done in the context of his uh, birth, life, death, and resurrection and intercessory ministry at this time for you. Glory to God. It is a time of victory. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a time of victory for you. you. You say, you know what? Well, maybe when I get older in Jesus, I'll have victory. No, victory's now. Well, maybe when, you know, this season comes in the body of Christ, I'll victory. No, the victory's now. Today is the day of salvation. First Corinthians 6, 2. Uh, Jubilee is here, praise God. Now, I, I said all that to say this. You see, if you could only know how awesome it is for Jesus to look at you and say, you know what? He is able to have my faith because he is spirit. You know, if Jesus, I think if Jesus would come down, I mean, and just stand right in front of you, I think what he would say is just what we read in first John three, eight, and we're going to, uh, in nine, and then he would go further and he'd, he'd just quote to you first John five, three and four. I don't think if Jesus came down, he'd say anything that he's already said. You see, if Jesus had wanted to say something else, he would have put it in the Bible. Amen? He didn't, glory to God, he's already said what he's wanted to say. And what he said is this. I have given you a spirit that accommodates faith, that causes my yoke to be easy, and for you to enter into the very faith of God. Uh, Now, let's read 1 John 5, 3, 4 to bring this to Oh hallelujah. Just to reinforce this. It says this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Wow. Well, I I love this verse. First of all, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. You know, uh, keeping the commandments are not legalism. They are a the way that you convey your heart, the way that you enter into love relationship with Jesus. I don't keep the commandments. I don't live righteously so I cuz I'm a pastor. I don't live righteously so I can, you know, have a seemly reputation in the community or to gain promotion. The only reason I keep the commandments is out of a passion for him to satisfy his heart. And the Bible says this, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Now, if I would ask the average Christian, if I would ask virtually all Christians, are the commandments of God difficult to keep? I guarantee you 99.9% would say profoundly difficult. And I'm certainly not judging you because I was in that 99.9% for many years until I got free from the reality of seeing that because I'm spirit, the commandments are not burdensome anymore, but they are my passion and my joy. You see, this is why, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Now, here's what's exciting. Uh, Oh, glory to God. Now, let me even go a little bit further. If I would ask most Christians, how difficult is it to enter in to, to having faith, having the faith of God? Well, I'll be honest with you. The vast majority would look at you like you're crazy because they, they don't know you, that you can have the faith of God. They know you can have the love of God, but don't understand that you can have the faith of God. But again, virtually everyone would say, oh, it's so hard. You know, entering into the faith of God is, I mean, it's just for the few. It's for the special, the elite, the five-fold ministers, this or that. But see, I'm here to tell you that's not true. It's just not true. Because verse 4, 1 John 5 verses says this, Whosoever is born of God, is that you? Whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Glory to Jesus. You see, here's what's so exciting. God, he works by faith. You know that. But here's what's the most exciting thing. You and I can enter into the faith of God not because we try harder, not because we fast for 40 days, not because of any other reason except that we are spirit. And because we are spirit, the word of God Hallelujah! Just just like and you know, an apple can't you know create a you know an orange juice. Can I tell you something? Oranges create orange juice, and I'm here to tell you, even though the natural man will never enter into faith, it can enter into fool's gold, what I call fool's gold presumption, but it can never enter into faith. The spirit man can enter into the faith of God. Because when the word of God, which is spirit, John 663, 63, and that's what you're born again spirit through the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, you will give glory to God who is spirit, and I guarantee you will have the faith of God, which is spirit. Let Let's just let me share how this works. Let me share a testimony with you. A number of years ago, I became acquainted with a testimony uh, from the ministry of Norval Hayes, a, a great man of God, a man of faith who, who lives, uh, really, he is based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And there was a a school teacher up uh, in, in the Buffalo area who had liver cancer. And this precious woman was in the last stages of cancer, about two and a half months to live. She tried everything. I mean, she just prayed and prayed and prayed. She was a Christian. But rather than getting better, she grew worse. Because, you see, she prayed hoping that God would touch her, not in the knowingness of faith. Now, what is biblical faith? Faith is knowing that you know that you know in your spirit, in the mind of your spirit. Wherein when you speak, the things that you know touch God through your words, which causes him, praise God, to confirm your words with the miraculous, with supernatural power according to that which you prayed. Glory to Jesus. Now, this woman was given a CD uh, regarding uh, some testimonies and teaching by Brother Hayes. And she was giving the book, I Will Live and Not Die, a book that I've read several times, an awesome book. And uh, she never heard anything like this. And she thought it was too fanatical, so she put it down, stopped listening to the CD. But nothing else gave her hope. So she went back and finished the CD. She uh, read the book and read it again, got excited about it. And she had her husband take her down to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where Norval Hayes is based, and went to one of his meetings. And what was interesting is this, when she went through the prayer line, he said to her, as you enter into the word of God, your faith will make you whole. That's an awesome thing, isn't it? See, so often we want to throw our coats on somebody to try to get them healed without giving them the revelation that they can enter into getting faith on their own. Glory to Jesus. Now, she went back to her home in Buffalo, and she was not doing well. But she took the word that was given to her. She got the scriptures out that she was standing on. And she had a dining room table that was very uh, long. It took her about an hour and a half to just go around that table. And she would quote the word of God as she would go around that table. And faith was being built in her. Faith was being realized in her. The faith of Almighty God, a measure of the faith that created the universe, was now manifesting in her, praise God. And she was beginning to enter into a knowingness of her healing. She continued this for weeks until I I can't tell you how it happened, but it happened. And I can't tell you how a blade of grass grows. You know, when Smith Wigglesworth was asked how he entered into great faith, he said, all I can tell you is Mark 4, 26. It says that, you know, first the blade, then, then, then the, the mature grain, the grain, then the mature grain, and it's, it's harvested. And it just happened, praise God. Woo, glory. It just happened. Thank you, Jesus. It just happened. But see, if you get anything from today, understand this because your spirit, It happens. Glory to God. It doesn't happen because you're religious. It doesn't happen because you try hard. It doesn't happen because of your good works. It doesn't happen because of any other reason except it happens because, hallelujah, your spirit. And because your spirit, glory to God, when that word of God goes into you, hallelujah, that which is spirit bears witnesses with that which is spirit and faith comes alive. Glory to Jesus. Well, in about six weeks time, this precious woman, was completely healed of the liver cancer that was going to take her life. And not only this, she said, Lord, I might as well go for the whole kit and caboodle. She said, I I haven't ever been pregnant. I've been married 12 years. She said, Lord, don't just heal me of the liver cancer. Heal me of what's hindering me from being pregnant. And you know, just weeks after she was healed of the liver cancer, she became pregnant. Her and her husband now have two beautiful uh, girls. And she's walking, as you could imagine, in joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Now, I said that to say this. You see, the devil tries to make everything so hard. And, 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 you know, I'm not saying that faith is not a fight. I'm not saying that you're never going to go through challenging times. I'm not saying you're never going to go through difficult times. I work with people with cancer almost every day. I purposely work with impossible situations because I know God loves to do the impossible and because I have a passion for people. But I'm here to tell you this. God wants to deliver you from the lie that says it's too hard. He wants to deliver you from the lie that it's an uphill battle. It's not an uphill battle. Calvary was uphill. Living the life as a Christian is downhill with wind at your back. Wow. I'm going to say that again. Calvary was uphill. Living the life as a believer is downhill with wind at your back because the spirit of God's in you and because you're now spirit. And spirit is greater than flesh. Remember in Exodus chapter 7, Moses threw down his rod, it became a snake. The magicians of Pharaoh threw down their rods and they all became snakes. But Moses's snake ate up their snakes. Can I tell you something? Their snakes were snakes of flesh, snakes of divination, snakes of the devil. His snake, glory to God, was a snake, how the Holy Ghost of Spirit, and Spirit will always consume that which is flesh, always consume that which is demonic, always consume that which is of the world, always consume that which is contrary to Jesus Christ and the goodness. Glory to God. Hallelujah! I just feel led at this time to share another testimony with you. This comes from the the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. And uh, he, of course, had a a powerful, the late Kenneth E. Hagin, a powerful healing ministry. Uh, One of the greatest healing ministries the world's ever known, in my opinion. An apostle of faith. And uh, he shares that one time he was ministering, and and, in the healing line, a woman came up, red-haired lady, a Baptist woman. And she had a cancer. It was almost like she had two I mean the cancer was on her face And it made it look like she almost had two heads I mean The cancer was that conspicuous That blatant And she was in the last stages of this cancer He prayed for her And he said I believe in my heart Power of God's gone into you And Satan has been I mean the healing has undone That which Satan has done And affected the healing and the cure in you But there is no change So he said something to her he said, "Will you do something if I ask you to do it. She said, I will if it's easy. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, well, this will be one of the easiest things that you've ever done. the someone says, well, to get healed of cancer, you need to do something hard. You need to give a million-dollar offering. You need to fast for 40 days. He said, "Will you do something. She said, I will if it's easy. He said, it's the easiest thing you've ever done. He said, I want you, while you're mopping the kitchen floor, while you're doing the laundry, while you're taking a walk in the backyard, while you're doing the dishes. Uh, every chance you get, just thank God that, that you were healed. You just say this, you know, when our uh, minister laid hands on me, I was healed, and my manifestation, praise God, is now. And, uh, you know, he said, I, I just want you to say this for a week, maybe two weeks, but I guarantee you the wholeness will come. Well, she said that, she followed the instructions. After 10 days, He got a phone call. He was in the personage of the pastor that he was holding the meeting for. And I mean, he just, someone was screaming on the other end of the line to the point where he couldn't understand the things she was saying. And, you know, the pastor uh, that, you know, uh, couldn't understand what she was saying. Finally, they calmed her down. She said, I'm not Baptist woman. She said, you know, I was mopping the bathroom floor. And that huge cancerous growth on the side of my face, it fell off. She said, there was a hole in my face, but then it filled up with brand new skin, just like baby skin. She said, I put that huge growth in a a huge jar of formaldehyde, and I'm bringing it to church tonight. Praise God. Well, that's scriptural. You know, David took the head of Goliath and praise God, just, you know, use it as a testimony. Glory to Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see. As you get that, it, it will change your life. It will cause you to enter into being a spiritual giant. See, because Faith and expectation go together, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because expectation is part of the paradigm that I'm going to present to you the latter half of the session. But you see, you can't have true faith unless you have true expectation. This woman, what did she do to be healed? I mean, she didn't, you know, uh, run, you know, 40 miles a day. She didn't fast for 60 days. She didn't give a million-dollar offering. She just did that which was reasonable. She just began to speak. But here's what I want you to see. See, when she spoke, her spirit bore witness through her words. Because she's spirit. When she spoke, her spirit bears witness with her words. And faith is being realized. Faith is being confirmed. And manifestation is coming about. See, during these 10 days, she cultivated her spirit. During these 10 days, she magnified her spirit. During these 10 days, she simply let her spirit do what her spirit does. Woo, glory. I got to say that again. She simply let her spirit do what her spirit was meant to be. And that was to proclaim the word of God, to believe the word of God, and to manifest the word of God through the confirming power of God. Hallelujah. You see, she could have so easily entered into the natural. 1 Corinthians 2.14, back to, back to that again. The natural man receives not of the Spirit of God because it's foolishness to him. She could have easily said, you know what? That Pentecostal minister speaking in tongues, you know what? I wasn't raised to believe that. I, I'm just, man, I'm not going to do what he says. She would have died. She could have gotten the natural and started feeling sorry for herself and said, why me? She could have gotten the natural and said, this is too hard. She could have gotten the natural and said, I don't know if anybody that's ever been healed of this. I've got to be a spiritual giant to be healed. But instead of getting into the natural, glory to God, she got into the spirit. How do you get into the spirit? You get into the spirit by letting your spirit do what it's meant to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, I don't enter into the faith of God because I'm a magician. I don't enter into the faith of God because of willpower. I don't enter into the faith of God because of genealogy, because of who my parents are. I don't enter into the faith of God because of this or because of that or because of this or that. I enter into the faith of God because I am spirit. Glory to Jesus. I tell you, I was praying for a young lady just recently and they gave her a, a bad report atypical, aberrant cells. Uh, they said that, you know, that you know bad report in the context of cancer. And, and I told her, I said, you'll live and not die. You'll not enter into cancer. You'll not have to have chemotherapy. And I went to God and I said, Lord, I believe, but in the next 10 days, I'm going to ask you to quicken your word to me in a way that knowing this comes into my spirit regarding this young lady's healing. And, you know, uh, some of those days I didn't feel the most spiritual. Some of those days I didn't act the most spiritual. You know, I, I, one time I was doing a service in upstate New York. I, 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 and I tell you what, I, I just, I, the night before I was going to do the first meeting. And I mean, they advertised it big, you know, uh, bring those with cancer and this and that. And I, I mean, the first night of the meeting, I don't know why, before, before that meeting, I had a Little Debbie attack. And I mean, Little Debbies, you know, those little donuts. I must have ate, honest to God, I think I ate about, they're little now, but I ate about three dozen of these Little Debbie donuts. I mean, my goodness, 36 donuts. I, I devoured them. You know, so I went to church, I preached and I started the healing line. And I heard a demon speak to me and said, how can you expect God to use you when you don't even have enough self-control? I mean, it'd be one thing to eat one dozen of those things, but to eat three dozen of those things. And I usually just rebuke the devil, but you know, I thought he's got a point here, <laughs> you know, I could, i be used in the spirit when I didn't walk in the spirit. But you know, the Lord spoke to me and he said, first of all, he said, are you going to be used to me? Because you ate these donuts or because you didn't? Or are you going to be used to me because of my grace and my ability to use you? Because my spirit can flow through you because you're a child of mine and my Holy Spirit dwells your spirit and I will flow through you. I said, Lord, you're right. I said, it's not about my being perfect. It's about you being perfect. It's about me being spirit Man, we just had some of the greatest miracles. I shared that testimony in some different churches. And one lady before church, she just brought all these little debbies and put them along along the altar. This to convey, praise God, it's not by our perfection, but because we're spirits. Glory to Jesus. Well, hallelujah, this young lady came up with a good report, thank God. See, I'm so excited that it's all about Jesus i tell you, oh, glory to God. There's so much I want to enter into. So we enter into the faith of God because we're spirits. Hallelujah. Now, there's so many people that they have a difficulty hearing the voice of God. We addressed this prior, so I won't spend much time on it. But again, why can you hear the voice of God? Because you're so spiritual? Because you're one of the select few? Because you fast 60 days? You know, No, it's because you're spirit. You can hear the voice of God because you have spiritual ears, and like we shared on our on our prior session, praise God, you actually have the voice of God. Your voice is likened under His voice. Ooh, glory to God, because you have been born of His Spirit, and you know your Spirit has a voice. Glory to God, and your voice. Hallelujah, the voice of your spirit is like it under the voice of his spirit. That's why when you pray and believe God, hallelujah, the devil doesn't know if it's you or God speaking, hallelujah. And just like it says in Psalm 18, and you know that God breaks the cedars of Lebanon through his voice, he will break the cedars of Lebanon through your voice because his voice flows through you, not because of any other reason except at your spirit. You expect to hear God through the ears of your spirit. And you expect to speak. Hallelujah. Glory to God through the voice of your spirit. Glory to Jesus. Uh, John fourteen twelve says that you will do the works that Jesus did. And greater works than these who you do because he went to the Father. I believe that the greater works are... The new birth and the baptism of the Holy Ghost because Jesus could not ever pray with someone to be born again or baptized in the Spirit because he had not yet gone to the Father. He never, ever did those two things except after he went to the Father. Amen. All right. But the reason you can do the works of God is because your spirit is one spirit with the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 6.17 says that. And as the Spirit of God flows through you, the Spirit of Christ manifests, Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, Jesus and the very works that Jesus did are starting to be manifested through you again. Why? Because you're so spiritual. Because you're so righteous. Because you're so called. I tell you, if you believe any one of those things, you'll never be used in the ministry of Jesus Christ because God will not share his glory with anybody. See, when you understand that the glory flows through you because you're spirit, because of the new birth, See, that's humility, and God will flow through you. But if you think he's going to flow through with you because of this, this, or that, it's just not going to, it's not truth. So he won't bear witness to it. Amen. Now, the, the enter in, the, the closing the first half of the session, I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians 3, 4. And I'll tell you, if you don't got your shouting clothes on now, you better get them because we're going to do some shouting. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to preface, I want to start with verse 7 sharing by saying this the israelites the jews of of, of the day wherein paul lived they had a reference point a focal point if you would and that focal point that reference point was the ministry of moses they revered the account of scripture where moses went up into the mountain to receive the ten commandments wherein his face shone with the glory of God, even as he was in the presence of God for 40 days. And it was a focal point. It was a point of uh, emphasis. It was, I mean, it depicted intimacy. It depicted that which, you know, was the highest of highest levels. So Paul, knowing that, you know, studying at the feet of Gamaliel, uh, you know, being a great teacher of the Jews, even before his conversion, used this focal point, this reference point, to contrast this glorious experience of Moses with Christianity. So let's read it from that perspective, from that context. And let's apply it to the truth of being spirit. Let's read it. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 says, But if the ministry of death written and engraven on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away with, How much more shall the ministry of the Spirit be even so much more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had came with much glory, how much more does the ministry of righteousness exceed it in glory? For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that surpasses it. For that which was done away with was indeed glorious, but much more is the glory of those who have entered into the new covenant." Therefore, we use such great plainness of speech, such boldness, having such a hope. Now, he goes on to say that the veil that was necessary to hide Moses' face is now a spiritual veil that blinds people from coming into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and it has to be removed before they can come to Jesus. Now, I want to read the last verse, verse 17. I'll read 17 and 18. It says, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is victory. And it goes on to say this. And I'm going to read from the Amplified now in verse 18. All of us with unveiled face because we continue to behold in the word of God. Hallelujah. The glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. I want to read that again. And all of us, so that includes you, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word, hallelujah, oh, glory to God, of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. And this all comes through the Spirit. i got to read that again. I know it's a third time, but God's holy, holy, holy. i got to read it again. Now listen to this. In all of us, that includes you, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into His very own image in ever-increasing splendor, from one degree of glory to another. All this coming through the Lord. Who is this spirit. Glory to Jesus. Now. I got to get gut level with you now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go crazy here. In the sense that I'm just going to let it go. You know. Oh Jesus. When you read in Luke chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Matthew 17. Regarding the transfiguration of Jesus. You see that. Jesus, as he prayed, was transfigured. It just means that the glory of God just literally, I mean, went through him to the point where, I mean, his clothes were just exceedingly bright. And Jesus said, this is the kingdom of heaven. Open intimacy, open relationship with me. I tell you, if somebody said, tell me what being a Christian is, And just two words, I would say open glory or open relationship. You see, and I tell you, it is hard not to scream it out. But Jesus Christ is saying this. I am actually going to bring you into a place that is so much greater than what Moses experienced. Now I know about you. Moses, literally, his face shone with the glory, the divinity of the living God. As he was in the presence of God, the emanating glory of God was translated to his face. The glory of God being transferable, tangible, perceptible. And he didn't even know it because when he came down from the mountain everybody started hiding their face because their eyes hurt so much when they looked at him and they made him put a veil over his face because of the brightness of the glory that had manifested to him now i know so many people say you know you're blasphemous in saying that that, that you can be that anybody can be transfigured Anybody can experience the glory of God in such a profound way. Well, you listen to me. If an Old Testament prophet could be transfigured in a way where his face shone with the glory of God in such brightness that you couldn't look at it, how much more can a blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled, bona fide child of the living God enter into an experience likewise and superseded it? Moses experienced a degree of what Jesus experienced on the Mount of Transfiguration, even before the blood was shed. And Paul's saying this if a man could experience glory before the blood in such a profound way, what do you think a child of God washed in the blood who is spirit can experience? I know this is hard to believe, but the Bible says it. i got to read it again. I read it three times. i got to read it again. It says, and all of us with unveiled face because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror. You see, the Bible says in the book of James, when you look in the word of God, the perfect law of liberty. You are seeing who you are in Christ, who God has caused you to be. And when you meditate on that and you give yourself to it, it'll just be like, oh, glory to God. It will actually cause you to enter into the spirit of transfiguration where the glory of what you see on the written pages will now manifest, praise God, in your body in transfigurative glory that causes you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, even from glory to glory. Now, I said all of that to say this. Why? How can this be? It is because you are spirit. And because you are spirit, God who is spirit will surely manifest his glory to you through the written word and through the Shekinah presence of God in a transfigurative manner. They can cause you to be conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ. Wow. I know this is too much for the natural mind. So get your natural mind out of the way. Because remember, your natural mind can't receive this. This is foolishness to the natural mind. To the religious, this is foolish and even blasphemous. Because they have no idea of what it means to be spirit and to walk in the light of its reality. Let me share a simple example with you. When I was first saved, I, I was a pretty good runner and I qualified for the state championships with my team uh, at the university I was running for. But I hurt my leg, my right leg, about two weeks before the state championships. And it was a qualifying meet for the national championships. I was one of the top runners at that time by God's grace, and but I, I had severe shin splints. I, I couldn't run the, the meet. And uh, I was at a church service and, you know, I didn't, I was very green. I mean, I I didn't know much about anything. And, you know, that's good because my my mind could get in the way. And uh, the presence of God was mighty at this service. And uh, glory to God. It was a Baptist church, but where everybody was spirit filled and later became a non-denominational church. And I was in the service and the presence of God was great. And then I felt electricity go from the bottom of my foot, my right foot, up to my knee. And all the pain that I had through the shin splints were gone. Well, what happened to me? The presence of God, like electricity. And see, here's what's interesting. In Matthew's account, Matthew 17, it says that the transfigurative glory that came upon Jesus was like electricity, like lightning. Well, it happened to me. A measure of the glory, transfigurative glory, hit me like lightning from the bottom of my foot up to my, my knee and my right leg. Now it's perfectly whole. Now I ran that, that state championship meet, praise God. But I'll never forget my excitement, i never forget my, my awe. And even as I talk about it, I just, it's an experience of glory. But you see, what happened was when that transfigurative glory was manifested in my leg, it conformed my leg to the image of Jesus. Jesus doesn't have shin splints. Jesus doesn't have inability in his right leg as I had. You see, mm, Jesus The transfigurative glory which comes through the word of God, through meditating in the word of God, and experiencing the presence of God will conform you to the image of Jesus. It will negate solical strength. It will negate imprints of abuse, imprints of failure, imprints of lies that have been said to you through the words of significant others. It will negate and it will impart. It will burn up, and it will burn in. It will take away, and it will brand. Glory to God. Someone says, how awesome is this? Well, read 2 Kings 13. We're an Old Testament prophet, where the glory of God over the years manifested in him to the point when he died. They put a dead man in his grave because they were fighting a battle, a war, They threw the man into the open sepulchre of Elisha, and the man was raised from the dead through the glory, the transfigurative glory that was realized in Elisha due to the manifest presence of God over a period of time that was realized in him as he prophesied and did the works of God. So someone says, well, that can't happen to the believer. You're crazy for sharing that. No, it's only crazy to the natural mind, to the spirit man. It's biblical reality. Backed up, glory to God, by the testimony of 2 Kings 13. Backed up by Exodus 33 and 34. Backed up by 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Backed up by Matthew 17, Mark 9, Luke 9. Backed up, praise God, by the reality of what true Christianity is. But I said all this to say this. It happens not because you've been good today. Not that you shouldn't be good. It happens not because you obtained to a certain level of piety. It happens not because, you know, uh, grandma had it. It happens because you're spirit. And because you are spirit. Oh, glory to God. The glory of God will manifest in you, to you, through you, and for you. Even the transfigurative glory of the living God. And you will be changed from glory to glory, even to the very image of Jesus Christ. Wow. What does it mean to be spirit? It means to have the ability and the right, the legal right for God to transfigure you to confirming the word of God in you and manifesting the presence of God to you. I was not able to run. I could hardly walk. My leg was disabled. Yet when the transfigurative glory of God, through his Shekinah presence, went up and down my leg like electricity, I was now conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. There's so much of my So much of my heart today. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Now, I want to enter into the second half of our session now. Praise God. By sharing with you a simple paradigm that will enable you to walk out the glory of that which you're hearing in a powerful, victorious way. Because you know as soon as you... Done listening to this. The devil's going to try to come for the word. When he does, you just take his head. Glory to God. You just take his head. Someone says, Weren't you afraid of the devil? No, why should I be? It's Jesus in me that's taking his head. If it was me against the devil, I'd run from him. But because it's Jesus in me, I'm running towards the battle line, praise God. And like David of Hold, I will take his head. And according to Jeremiah 48, I will shed blood to the glory of God. Jeremiah 48 says this, verses 8 and 9. I'm angry with those pastors, those shepherds, who are lackadaisical and slothful, and those who keep their sword back from shedding blood, even the sword that I have called you to use to bring forth your destiny and the assignment that I've given you. Glory to Jesus. All right. Let's enter into this paradigm. There's four parts to it. It's it's rated S for simple, but I'll tell you what, it's rated G for glorious. Hallelujah. One, to enter into walking out this reality of being spirit and all that's intrinsic to its reality is, number one, you've got to magnify it. You cannot hide it under a bushel. You can't say, wow, that's the most awesome teaching I've ever heard. But you know, I'm the assistant pastor. And if my pastor would hear this, a senior pastor, he'd think I'm crazy. So I'm going to believe this, Lord. I thank you for the revelation. I I thank you for uh, Reverend Bruno's ministry. He's an awesome teacher. I mean, all the ministries is awesome. But Lord, and I believe it, Lord. No, you can't do it. It's one thing when you don't have light. It's another thing when you have light and you hide it. I tell you pastors who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and know the glory of it and don't teach it of it, teach it because you're afraid of losing your job, you're hiring, because you're keeping back what your sheep need. And you're never going to enter into the fullness of God until you give it up and take the lampshade, take the bushel off the light. Amen. That's for somebody. You got to magnify the revelation. You got to magnify the revelation. Glory to Jesus. You've got to magnify the revelation. You've got to be so thankful for it. you got to thank God every day for delivering you from being a being of flesh to a being of spirit. You know, uh, I pray for young children all the time. You know, uh, my mother had uh, spinal bifida, very severe spinal bifida. It was a miracle that she gave birth to. Spinal Bifida Association that my one daughter, Mary, uh, worked for said they never know if anybody was able to carry the term. That, that they, 1953, they told her to have an abortion when abortions were not, uh, you know, typical at that time. They said it would destroy her. Well, the bottom line is this, you know, I have a compassion, and, and, you know, towards uh, anybody with physical ailments. But, you know, I, I think of a, a young boy hydrocephalus uh, a head that's three size the the size of a regular head and I, I remember him being prayed for at one of brother shambach's meetings in fact the head was so abnormal that they literally had a towel over his head i know the parents very well had them speak in my church and uh glory to god it just broke my heart seeing that you know being aware of that child and children like him and uh, glory to Jesus. uh and this child was healed. The hydrocephalus was negated. I'm going to tell you something. They are the most thankful parents in the world. Most thankful parents in the world. Having your child like this and then going to this. Can I tell you something? You and I were profoundly worse than somebody with a physical uh, handicap. You and I, our spirits were filled with sores. Our spirits were filled with evil. Our spirits we're, we're beyond disgusting, beyond evil. Jesus delivered us from a being of evil to a being of spirit. You need to be so thankful. You need to be so excited about it. You need to magnify it. You need oh, glory to God. You need to worship God every day for the reality of the new birth. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Second, you need to cultivate the corresponding ramifications that come with being spirit. I've shared this testimony prior, but I need to share it again. It bears repetition. My wife and I, when we were just newlyweds, we uh, befriended uh, a a lady and uh, her husband was unsaved, uh, but she uh, went to our church at that time. And uh, she had a a young boy, uh, David. He was uh, six years old uh, when we uh, met her. And one uh, day in May, she came to our house and she was so excited. Uh, He had been tested by the school psychologist, found to have an IQ of about 170, which is, uh, you know, ultra gifted, ultra gifted. Uh, 140 is considered gifted. I was in a school psychology program doing master's work. And so I, I know all the, the terms, et cetera. And, you know, 90 to 110 is an average IQ. Uh, 110 to 130 is is in the high range. 130 is gifted. 140 is very gifted. 170 is almost unheard of. And the psychologist said, you know what? You can do virtually, this boy can be whatever he wants to be. And today he works in, in, the, in the science of robotics and very, very successful. But, you know, she began to cultivate that. She began to give him harder exercises regarding school. She made sure that he was in the gifted class at school. She treated him differently because of this capability. And she began to cultivate it. When they began to think of uh, colleges, they didn't think of just a regular college. Uh, They began to think of uh, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They began to think of Harvard. They began to think of Yale. And uh, you see, they cultivated the ability and he cultivated through hard work. And you know, uh, what was his, you need to understand that because it's there, it can be cultivated. It doesn't manifest because God's sovereign. You know, someone says, well, if God wants it to be, it'll be, if he doesn't want it to be, it won't be. No, God in his sovereignty has given you the glory, mm, the glorious reality of being spirit. And as you enter in, hallelujah, to cultivating the reality of being spirit and its corresponding ramifications, I I think you're never going to be the same. That's why you need to enter into meditating on 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 the the word of God regarding the new birth every day. You need to enter in, praise God, to Exodus 33 and thirty four, Second Kings 13, second uh, oh, Corinthians 3, 1 John 3, 8 and 9, 1 John 5, 3 and 4, four, First John 4, 4, 1 John 5, 18. You need to enter in all throughout the New Testament is the reality of because you are spirit, you can enter in to the favor of God, the presence of God, the faith of God, the love of God, the works of God, the victory of God, the triumph of God, the very life of God. You are a Noted, hallelujah because you have the wineskins of glory and god himself can manifest through you but you need to enter in the teaching like you're hearing on a daily basis you need to be in a church that teaches this and preaches it i don't care what the cost you know the bible says that when somebody found out about the glory of jesus man it was like finding a field Where they knew there was a great treasure in the field. And the treasure was underneath the ground. They sold everything they had to buy the field. And then they went and started to dig for that treasure. I'm going to tell you something. If you are going to stay in a church. And if you are not going to give yourself to teaching like this. You're not worthy. Really, you're not worthy. And God will not confirm this reality uh, the corresponding realities of glory of being spirit in your life. Why? How could he confirm you when you don't confirm him? Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Now you say that's not grace. No, that's reality. That's reality. Amos 3.3 3 says, how could two walk together lest they be agreed? Oh, you can still be a Christian. But you're not going to enter in. Believe me, you'll never enter in to the this glory that I'm talking about. Because Jesus said this, man. He said, you know what? The person that doesn't give everything, they're not worthy of me. Man, someone said, Lord, I want to follow you. And you know what Jesus said? He said, the foxes, man, they have holes. The birds of the air have nests. I, I, you know, you need to pay a price. Someone else said, I'm going to follow you, but I first need to go back and, you know, take care of some business, take care of my parents, do this and that. Jesus said, you're not worthy of me, man, stay there. You say that's hard. Yeah, it is because, you know what? This is not cheap. This is not cheap grace. This is not a game. This is this is something, man, that you die to get. That's why Jesus said you got to take up your cross daily. You said, well, I thought you said this is an easy yoke and his commandments are not grievous. Oh, they're not. But you've got to enter in the loving the glory of God more than the praises of men. You've got to enter into loving this glory more than you do your comfortable setting and your position in the church. I don't want to offend grandma. I don't want to offend mama. Can I tell you something? When the right girl comes along and she's beautiful and mama doesn't want you to marry her, you marry her. But yet when the right church comes along and mama says, don't go to that church. Oh yeah, mama. Don't tell me that you can't do it. You do what you want to do. You make time for what you want to make time for. And you enter into what's a priority in your life. I tell you, I'm weeping as I share this. How many do not cultivate because they don't want to give all? You cultivate through the Word of God. You cultivate through being in the right church. You cultivate through fasting and prayer. You cultivate through entering in the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher that enter into this context. Glory to God. You cultivate it through worship and praise. You cultivate it through ending into the glory that it's not yours because of what you obtain, but because you've been made to be spirit. Mm, Glory to God. Our, Our third variable of this paradigm is guarding what you have. The first is magnification. The second is cultivation. And the third is guarding what you have. Proverbs chapter 4 is so powerful. You see, someone says, well, I thought if God gave you something, you just had it. You can't lose it. Well, I we wonder why God said in the book of Revelation chapter 1, hold fast to what you have so that it's not taken away. I guarantee you this, what you've been given, you can lose unless you hold fast to it. Mm, Jesus. And Proverbs chapter 4, it just, it's just so powerful. I, I love it so much. In verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. See, you've got to keep your heart. One translation says, To guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it proceeds forth the issues of life. The Amplified says, Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance. And above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. You see, Esau was given... The birthright. And because of the birthright, he was favored. He was predisposed to blessing. He was predisposed to power. He was predisposed to victory. All because someone laid his hand on him. All because he was given the birthright. See, in the spirit realm, it, it spoke so much. I mean, he had fame, riches, destiny, leadership, Blessing beyond what you could ever dream of. But he didn't guard it. So the book of Genesis shares this. He was out hunting one day. And he was hungry. And uh, he came to his brother. uh, Jacob, who at that time was a usurper, was not a good guy. It was before he had the encounter with God, where he wrestled with God, and he was broken and changed. And Jacob said, man... I'm not going to give you this red pottage until you give me your birthright. And here's what Esau said. Man, what's it going to, good's going to do me now? I'm dying of famine. First of all, he was no more dying of famine than the man on the moon. But you see, he did not guard his birthright. Satan is not just trying to get you to sin. Satan is trying to get you to give up your birthright. You need to guard it. Esau gave up his birthright. It was never the same since. Never the same after that. You see, when you're in a time of struggle, you say, and, and you don't, you got to guard your birthright. You don't say, you don't ever say, you know what? I'm just human. I'm just like anybody else. Can I tell you something? That is so profoundly filthy and hurtful to the heart of God. It It's devastating in, in the spirit realm, you never allow yourself to say, Well, I'm only human. I never, if someone gave me a billion dollars, I would never say that. I, I sin because I'm only human. No, I'm not only human, I'm spirit. The very divinity of God manifests in me because I'm spirit, according as I proclaim. The Oh, glory to God. The magnificent and precious word of God. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. You've got to guard it. The devil's going to try to get you to go back on the teaching that you're hearing today. Well, it doesn't seem to be working. Well, you work it until it works. Well, you know what? I'm in the minority. You know, just like Elijah of old. Lord, you know, I'm the only one, Jesus. First of all, he was lying out his teeth. Man, there was 500 other prophets. That we're still walking with God. Second, he was feeling sorry for himself. I- I'm just like anybody else. No, he wasn't. He's called down far from heaven. God delivered him; He'll deliver you. You've got to guard your birthright. You have to guard the reality that you're spirit. No matter what you feel like, you call yourself spirit. No matter what you look like, you it might look like the devil's mocking you. And man, you're nothing but a failure. You call yourself spirit. And you say the faith of God's in you. It may seem like everything's against you, even God himself. You call yourself spirit and confess that you're favorite of God. You guard, you guard the reality of your being spirit. I can't emphasize this enough. Every trial that comes to you, The child that came to Adam and Eve in the garden. Has God really said? They were beings of spirit. But they did not guard the glory. They kept talking to the serpent. And you see, when they talked to the serpent. They were letting their guard down. Until they changed. Mm, Jesus. They actually gave away their spirit. For sin, for a sinful nature, a solical nature. Jesus. It hurts even to think about it. With every trial, the devil is after your birthright, he's after the confession that your spirit. That's fanaticism. It doesn't work. You let the devil know that you know that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin. That you might become the righteousness of God. That you might become spirit. Glory to God. Lastly in our paradigm. Is expectation. Again number one is magnification. Number two. Is cultivation. Number three is guarding. The glory of your being spirit. And lastly expectation. You know. Faith and expectation go together. I'll never forget. uh, After I got saved I was. 18 years old in 1972. And uh, Catherine Coleman, one of the greatest healing evangelists the world has ever known. She held services about a half hour from my house in the old Syria Mosque in Pittsburgh, also in the First Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh. I'll never forget the first service I ever attended where Miss Coleman was ministering. A good friend of mine said, uh, you know, the service starts at uh, 10 o'clock. And I said, well, pick me up at 9, we'll get there at 9.30. He said, you don't understand, I'll pick you up in the wee hours of the morning. People, everybody sleeps overnight just to get in there. There was such expectation. I never entered into meetings. I've been in some great revival meetings, I mean, but I've never entered into meetings where expectation was so great. And, you know, she would say many times, if you could just see what I see, if you could just see into the spirit realm, the glory that's here, the angelic hosts that are here, Jesus himself, the Spirit of God ready to move just like he was on the day of creation. I see him. I see him. I see the great third person of the Trinity. Oh, what expectation was realized in those meetings. I've been to meetings of hers Six, seven hours seemed like, honest to gosh, it seemed like six, seven minutes. And it was six and seven hours. Captain LeVere of the Dallas Police Force would testify so often. Uh, a six foot four frame, 270 pounds, emaciated with cancer, down to 130 pounds. Can you imagine a six four frame, healed by the power of God in an instant, at Miss Coleman's service through the presence of God? You know, we would expect his testimony. We would expect the moving of God. Can I tell you something? Why can you expect God to move mightily in your life daily, to manifest himself to you profoundly and to manifest himself through you profoundly? Because you're spirit. God who is spirit now has a legal right through his spirit, through the vehicles of spirit. See, here's what's exciting. The word of God, John six sixty three, is spirit. Prayer, according to Ephesians 6, 19 and Jude 20, is spirit. Fellowship, according to 1 John, is spirit. The presence of God, according to John 4, 23 and 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Glory to Jesus. The, oh, see, every vehicle of life is spirit. The word of God is spirit. Prayer is spirit. Fellowship is spirit. The presence of God is spirit. Worship is spirit. And because they are spirit, they penetrate your spirit. And they manifest in life. They are realized in the faith of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God, the life of God, the victory of God, the triumph of God, the glory of God, even the works of God, even the raising of the dead. Why? Because you're spirit. You need to confess, because I am a spirit, I expect the vehicles of spirit that God has made in his wisdom to produce. The character of God in me, who is spirit, conforming me to his very image. That I will walk in the spirit, through the spirit, by the spirit. And I will enter into being spirit. Even conformed to the image of God, who is spirit. Jesus Christ is so awesome. The mystery of the faith, the foundation of Christianity is intrinsic to the revelation that you are spirit. Yes, you have a soul and it's good, but only when it's subjected to your spirit and a vehicle of your spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. That's why society tries to make you think that you're you're just a, an animal. That it has evolved from a a monkey. You're just physical. You're just mind. The evolutionist wants to negate your spirit. The humanist wants to negate your spirit. The religious want to negate your spirit. Jesus died. For one reason. To make you spirit. So he could indwell you and bring forth the character of his son in you. Jesus Christ died so you could be spirit. As we enter into magnifying in awe, in reverential awe, profound thanksgiving and worship, this reality. And then cultivate it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And excitement and joy. And consecration. And victory. And as we guard it. As a man would guard. A billion dollars worth of diamonds. As we guard it. As the issue of life. And then we expect God to move accordingly. We will walk in a paradigm of glory. That will usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And even more importantly. We will cause the redemptive work. The sufferings of Jesus Christ not to be in vain. Because Jesus did not call you to be religious. He did not call you. To try harder and harder so you'd be confirmed. He called you to enter into the revelation that you are spirit, even as God is spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is one with your spirit, to a victory, to a life that not only mirrors the life of Jesus, but literally causes his image to be branded in you, to be manifested in you, because you're born of an incorruptible seed. As we close, I, I weep, I worship, I, I, I'm in awe of the truth of the gospel. God Almighty said, Let us make man in our image. We are spirit, unlocking like an, unto any other created beings, prior or wherever be. But we're not created. God wasn't created. He he just was. He glory to God, the Trinity just bang. It, it, not even a bang. It just always was. God said, Let us make man in our image. God breathed into us. We became beings, spirit beings, beings of impartation. We negated this reality. This glory, this, our life, our lifeline to God. And we became soulical beings as animals, but yet with a conscience that knew that God was calling us, loving us, and had provision for us to become spirit once again. Genesis 2-7, Jesus breathed into Adam, and Adam became a living spirit. That spirit was destroyed. Adam and Eve exchanging it for soul life. But Jesus died, actually became sin that we might become spirit again. John 20, 22, just like he came to Adam, glory to God. He comes to the apostles, breathes into them again, just like he did to Adam. Be born again. Receive my spirit. You're now spirit beings again. This is why he died. This is why I live. To give glory to God. To give worship. And to bear witness to the truth of being created in his image. To being spirit. I just don't want to close, but I have to. Please, magnify, magnify, magnify with worship, with worship that is extravagant for his causing you to be spared once again. Cultivate with all abandonment, not fearing man, but paying the price. And considering it a privilege to cultivate spirit and guard it with everything you have. Knowing that Satan will do anything he can to get you to denounce the revelation of glory. The foundational revelation of the gospel. So you can be accepted by the many. Rather than entering into the glory. Glory. That's ordained for you. And lastly, everything you do, do it with expectation. You will enter in the having the word revealed to you. Like Jesus had it revealed to him. Because you are spirit. And God treats you because of him as he treated him when he walked the earth. Not because of anything you've done. But because of what he's done. Because your spirit. Enter in. To expecting. The very glory of God. Manifesting to you. In a transfigurative fashion. As you claim the word. And enter into his presence. And enter in. To praying. Expect. To be used. Like Jesus was used. Doing the very works that he did. Expect. An inheritance. Eternally. Not because of your works. Not because of your trying. Not because of. The flesh. Not because of genealogy. Not because. Of willpower. But because you were confirmed. By God himself. Because this seal he has set upon you. You are truly his son. His daughter. Because you are spirit. Even. As he is spirit. Let us make man in our image. in image of spirit. Let us buy him back again with the blood. And cause him to be in our image again. let us marvel, magnify, cultivate, guard, and expect a life of joy unspeakable and full of glory because truly we are born of glory and are lacking unto Him, even unto His image of Spirit.